Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's fastest growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. We just get in. You know, I'd love a home playoff game, but but uh, if we can get in, anything can happen. And so um, that's really where my focus is, is just put ourselves in a position at the end of the 16 games to to be in. And then, uh, and then it's a, a fresh start, you know, when you hit the reset button and then you go from there. So... We just got to obviously get to this to week 17, the 16th game, and and uh, have won enough to be in. Football! Yeah, Officially yeah, the football yeah, game. Football! You're not going to give me anything? No got to eat? No nothing? I'm focused today. Hold on a second. I'm trying, Let's, I'm can we here. try that again? This is supposed to be fun. Football! Yeah, football! Yeah! yeah football! Yeah. That helps a little bit. I was I was actually counting something while you were playing that. You're so, locked in, right? You? You're I, locked exactly, in. exactly. I was grinding here. Okay, all right. Um, so I could not yell "got to eat" while I was counting, but you distracted me anyway. So I'm going to have to recount what I was trying to figure out. I'm so sorry. Is how many of Kirk Cousins' games have been good this year, mm-hmm. and how many we should have expected to be good. So one cheap and easy way to go with this, and it's not perfect, everyone knows that, but just to give us a basic measure is by using the pro football focus grades for each one of his games. And when I look through, I see some very, very good games. And Green Bay is the first. Philadelphia, Uh, correct? um, Philadelphia is a good game. Los Angeles Rams, good game. New Orleans was a good game, which... Pro Football Focus came out and said we didn't blame Kirk for that interception with Stephon Diggs since we got the explanation, so we didn't ding him for that, so they gave him a good grade there. Detroit is a solid grade, end. And Green Bay was mediocre, which I think is understandable. That's second Green Bay? He, yes, second, second, Green, second Green Bay okay. is, is a mediocre grade. It's not a bad grade. Right. It's, it's just like an average. And then the games that were bad were Buffalo Arizona, New York, which got painted over by Arizona, New York being terrible. Mm -hmm. Chicago and New England. So what we have here is basically a split. Like it's it's like a seven five, like seven games that were either pretty good or really good, and five games that were um, not so great to very bad. I mean, the Buffalo game is his worst grade by far. I think we would all agree with that. So I go through last year and I'm looking. And I'm seeing kind of the same sort of trend that there's, a, you know, two good games in a row, then a bad game, and then a really good game, and then two good games later on, and then there's one that's just really, really down for Cousins. And then I click and go back to 2016, and I see a little, a little better, a little more, but still you have some of your, some of your ups and downs. 
And I think that just part of the story of signing up for Kirk Cousins and the unfortunate nature of being paid $84 million is that when you look through his performances, that he's consistently inconsistent. We say this about baseball players, right? Where you'll be like, wow, this guy in April was hot, and then in May, what the heck happened? And then in July, he was hot again. And then in September, what happened? And this is sort of how he's been for his entire career, where he has a game like Green Bay, he's very, very good, and then there's one where he just isn't. And I think some of it is him, and probably some of it is Bill Belichick being one of the most brilliant defensive minds of all time, daring the Vikings to run. And if we get you in third and long, then, okay, now we're definitely going to own you on third and long because we're not going to show you anything that we've got here pre-snap. They have a roster in New England that you can't really take advantage of any area on defense. They don't have like a Khalil Mack, but there's no one who's like bad, who you could just attack, attack, attack. I think that's what the the consistent theme is, that when there's good defenses, he has not performed particularly well. And when it's mediocre defenses, that he's taken advantage of them. And so when we're we're throwing around, is it Zimmer's fault? Is it Filippo's fault? Is it the offensive line fault? Part of it is, no matter how which way you split it up, yep. the guy has had some really excellent games and has pretty much been who he's always been. And this is what you should expect when you sign him for $84 million. Let me ask you this. Do you believe, and, and let's put the contract aside for the sake of this question and conversation right now. So let's let's not, because that's, as you said, it's an unfortunate thing that it's a guaranteed huge contract. But if we just talk about him as a quarterback, and let's say we don't know what he's paid, do you believe he has been used to the best of his potential capabilities on a consistent basis? I think that I would put it like this. The circumstances in which he is operating are by no means perfect that the play caller is inexperienced and is, has been worthy of criticism at times. When you leave Khalil Mack alone on Riley Reef, there is no explanation for that. There just there just isn't. It's just like, sorry, that's a huge, huge mistake, and you made it like five times in that game. When Delvin Cook averages nine yards a carry and you stop handing him the football, that's a big mistake. When he averages two yards a catch because he's only a checkdown option for the game, that's a big mistake. Um, but... I think the big picture on Kirk Cousins is that he's doing this year the same thing that he has always done. But that is him. Exactly. Like it, it might be frustrating, but it is him. You knew if you were the Vikings, you are you signed Kirk Cousins not because you love Kirk Cousins. You signed Kirk Cousins so Case Keenum didn't have to be your quarterback. Yes. That's and why. You didn't you you did not Kirk Cousins was not let's say Clayton Kershaw. Like, he wasn't out there and you said, oh, my God, this generationally great quarterback has become available and we have to go get him. You sat down and you assessed your present quarterback situation and you assessed the fact that you know that your head coach believed that Keenum was a one-season fluke and you went out and signed what you thought was the best quarterback on the market in not a great market but an okay one so that Kirk Cousins could replace Keenum because you didn't want to have to watch Keenum because you didn't trust him. Right. That's why you signed him. That's why you signed him, and it was the right move at the time, assuming Teddy Bridgewater's knee isn't fine. Then it wasn't the right move. But you have to do everything you could possibly do to prop him up then. The frustrations frustrations are, yes, part of them are on him. But the frustration of acting like this guy was actually going to come in and live up to this contract entirely is also a shame on you if you're the Vikings. A A little bit, right. 
the only thing I would say is which situation in the NFL right now, go through all of them, is perfect. Like, which one is, oh my gosh, no one could fail in that situation as an NFL quarterback? I would say maybe New New Orleans. You got two running backs, Michael Thomas, best offensive line in the league, right? Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, I like their situation a lot. Great receivers. Uh, if if Le'Veon Bell was there, it'd be even better. But they have a great offensive line. So like, there's a couple. There's a couple where you could say, man, you but not many. You almost can't I'm with fail you on it. This. So, but that's so that's the reality of uh, if you're going to have Kirk Cousins and you're going to win, that everything has to go your way in order to win because he's not the perfect quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so I was just pulling this up right here. Kirk Cousins, three seasons, 2015, 16, and 17. His average season. What is an average Kirk Cousins season? 4,300 yards, 27 touchdowns, 12 picks, 97 quarterback rating, 7.8 yards per attempt. Those are his, that's like your average Cousins season. This year, he's pacing to have an exact average Cousins season. (laughs) A little higher completion percentage, a little lower yards per attempt. 99 rating as opposed to 97 rating. His QBR is almost exactly where it was that ESPN invented stat that sort of grades your games. And and I guess what I'm what I'm getting here is that when we start to when we say blame this guy, blame that guy, blame cousins, blame the O line, it, it's 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 really hard to find any situation where everything is right. It's very hard to have a stacked defense who you paid everyone a bunch of money and also have an amazing offensive line. I agree, but then then what you have to do offensively is make the most of what you have, and they're not doing that, and that's the frustration. It, I'm not I'm not yeah, talking yeah. about perfection. I'm talking about the Chicago and New England game. You went out there, and your game plan was atrocious. Your philosophy, your philosophical approach to those two games was so off that everyone said, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. I mean, how does yesterday, fourth and 11, Laquan Treadle on a four yard pass? So I'm with you on that. Come on. I'm with you on that. And the unfortunate part is that you're in fourth and 11 and they send a blitz off the side that you don't pick up and you have to throw to your hot route. And that's, that's Kirk Cousins for you. That all, all of these things. So I watched a lot of Philadelphia's offense last year, mm-hmm. like a lot in the offseason to prepare for. John D. Flippo is the offensive coordinator. Here's what I saw many times. I saw on a third down, a play just like that. Takes the snap. They send a blitzer free. It's it's a cover zero or overload blitz or something. And Carson Wentz spins out of a tackle, buys time for himself, makes room down the field, makes a play. Runs for a first down. Something like that. Yep. The shortcomings, my, I think my what I'm getting at here is that as much as we do want to put it on DeFilippo, and I do agree with a lot of the criticisms of DeFilippo, and, and the ones that Zimmer has laid out, or the ones that we can sort of imply from what he said, there, there's a lot of truth there. But I would also say that when you signed to this quarterback, you knew that he needed a perfect situation to succeed, and that you couldn't really provide that for him, especially on the offensive line. So this is kind of what you were going to get. If they if were going to ever win 13 games again, they were going to have to have a perfect defense, and they haven't had that. They were going to have to win yesterday's game 13 well, the, to 10. I'm talking 10 wins. I'm talking 10 wins. Well, 10 wins and, might not And I'm talking now, a smart yeah. approach. Yeah. I'm talking a smart approach. You're right. The You should never assume that it's going to be perfection. And Kirk Cousins ha- had a resume long enough to know what if you were the Vikings and signed him, what you were going to get. 
But it's at that point that you have to say, all right, what's the what's the best way to go about this? Who do we got? And you've got some players. And for them, it's almost at times offensively of late, the Chicago game and Pats game come to mind, it's almost at times of late as if you're self-sabotaging your, your team. And that's what's frustrating to, to watch play out because it makes no sense. Well, it makes it makes no sense. And the fault there goes to everybody. I, I don't think there's one person. I think it goes to everybody. I think when you have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, and this does not make it impossible for him to win as the quarterback of the Vikings, so I want to say that, that he could definitely win as the quarterback of the Vikings. It's just that there there is so little room for error, and when he has one of the games where he's just not playing well, that either there has to be an immediate adjustment, maybe to focus on the run for the whole game, and sure. just live and die by the run because Cousins doesn't have it today. Yep. There, there might have to be that. Sort of like as a pitcher. Some some days a guy doesn't have his curveball. Well, you can't keep going back to the curveball, and that's kind of what they did, that they just kept going back to a lot of the same things in passing that you would go back to. And the other thing is that if you make a mistake, like, for example, if you call if you were the Philadelphia Eagles 2017 and Khalil Mack lined up over Lane Johnson, who was playing the best football of his career at that time, you left him one-on-one, boy, that's a fun battle to watch. But Khalil Mack is not, is not dominating that. Because Lane Johnson is unbelievable. Yeah. Those that's like number one versus number one. That's great. And so if you make a if you make that littlest mistake with this team, Khalil Mack runs over Riley Reef and ruins your game plan. And, and that's that's kind of where we're at with this. Is that with De Filippo and then you know a lot of the personnel and and people around him, they have to be perfect. Adam Thielen can't drop one ball all season or like he le- did, or at least creative. He can't, if not perfect, creative. I think they've tried to be creative. Well, Matt can't be one on one, though. I mean, that doesn't. But take, no, that's right. That's like, right. To chip him doesn't that's take right. a ton of. That's yeah. That's brain I don't even matter. think of that as being creative. But that and that's so. So that's what I'm looking at is yeah. you make a mistake by leaving Riley Reef there, and then all of a sudden yeah. game plan ruined, and it, you just you just have no room for error to succeed with him as the quarterback. And guess what? That's ninety percent of the league is is that way. Mm-hmm. And so where you're at now is a lot of things have not gone their way, and you're a 500 team basically. Take a break, TCL Broadcast Studios. But before we go, Becky and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94, we've got a crash eastbound. It's causing a seven-minute delay. That's between uh, Creighton uh, and Vandalia Street and Marshall near that area in St. Paul. So... Uh, be on the, the lookout for that. And also, 94, we've still got that crash between Dale Street and Marion Street and Kellogg Boulevard in St. Paul. That's also causing a seven-minute delay eastbound as well. Gentlemen? Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Today is uh, Zolgad Collar and Manny Hill. Mackie will be back tomorrow. I want to get back to what we discussed at the end of the uh, uh, our conversation with Kevin Seifert, Matthew Collar, the Kareem Hunt situation, and the tape surfaced on Friday. We didn't talk about it on Friday because it, it had just come out, and you don't know particulars at that time. It was disturbing, don't get me wrong, but we didn't know the background and all, all that. We knew that the league knew that there was an incident, and they didn't get the tape again. And TMZ, just like with Ray Rice, got the tape again. But I want to start here. And I tweeted this, and Seifert brought this up, but I still I don't get it. How does the league not get their hands on these tapes through any way possible? And and Seifert's point was, well, 
They're not supposed to be sold. They are, it's not ethical necessarily how TMZ gets them, but they do get them. And I would say this, if I'm the league, I use my network as the guys. And I say, we are trying to get this tape because we are willing to bid for it for our network. And then I pay whatever it takes. I outbid TMZ every single time. This is a, what, $10 billion industry. Mm -hmm. I outbid them every single time. And I make damn sure that I see it. I I don't under... The Ray Rice thing was disturbing and despicable and everything, and he deserved what he got. But the one thing that you said is, from the league standpoint, was, okay, perhaps lesson learned, right? Perhaps they learned something, which is anything like that is going to be on tape, and, and it shouldn't be slap on the wrist for player until we see the tape, and then, oh my God, this is awful. And this situation, to me, is exactly the same thing, and nothing has been learned, And here's the other thing since then that frustrates me. Roger Goodell now is underground. It's as if he's allowed to skate. He's in charge of this league. But anyone who thinks that this, who's upset with with this league, who finds this entire thing to be disgusting, I am completely with. And for this to happen to them again is inexcusable. So since I agree with everything there, let me take this a a little bit of a different direction Mm -hmm. of how much do people care about this who like the national football league of football like do fans of the league care that kareem hunt pushed someone down and then kicked this girl and it's on tape and he's not playing anymore like do do the i i would argue that they probably don't that everyone would tell you that they do, but there is no evidence to suggest that fans do since they all lined up to cheer Ray Rice when they brought him back before they eventually cut him, right? That he had come to training camp. I think that was the story. And a bunch of people showed up and wore their Ray Rice jerseys because they're just insane. Before that tape became public, Insane Ravens. It was after, I think. I think it was after it became. And then it was sort of like a... A debate, but maybe not. Maybe I could have it wrong that the tape didn't come out. But I thought that people were supporting Ray Rice even after the tape came out because they're just football fans and that's what they do. And I think it ends up being so hairy for a fan where you're like, well, I, I don't want my team to have a bunch of domestic abusers. I also want the league to care about this stuff. But ultimately, I'm not going to stop liking the Chiefs because they have Kareem Hunt come back or don't have Kareem Hunt come back or whatever. It really doesn't make a whole lot of difference to me, football guy, right? So I, I think that yeah. that's where most fans are. So my what I'm getting to here is yeah. the league understands that there is no bottom line impact to something like this. So even if it looks embarrassing to them for a little while, next week's games will just overtake that. And so every broadcaster on Sunday's pregame shows who used a very caring voice about Kareem Hunt and serious issues. We'll be right back to, in the next segment, to, hey, the Giants offense, let's take a look into it. And so since we've never, we never really stick on any of these things for very long because fans hate when we do, yep. uh, it's the league knows that they can just sort of do whatever they want with it, and that's been proven to bear out. But how do you not, after the Rice thing, how do you not by any means get that tape yourself? That's what I don't get. Because you you would avoid... here. Here's the... Here's the dirty little secret of this entire thing, and and it's it falls on us as humans, and it's too bad, but it's the truth. You're disturbed by something until you see it, and then you're disgusted. 
Like, we knew Kareem Hunt did something, Ray Rice did something, and they deserved to be punished, and we sort of knew that, but we didn't know exactly what they did. So we were, uh, okay, you're going to play again, that's fine. But then we see it. And I think across the board, even the most, for the most part, even the most ardent of National Football League fan is like, oh my God, that's he just kicked her. Or in Rice's case, knocked her out, unconscious, I believe. And just from a business standpoint, as Seifert said, what I don't understand about that is how do you not get that tape first? And I would hope that you would then punish the person because I, I got tweets back that are not entirely inaccurate saying that there's a chance that they would try and get the tape and burn the tape. But I would hope that that the player in question here would be punished. But the Rice thing, there is no give me the compelling case for the league from a from the point of view of being unethical to say they absolutely can't try and buy that tape. I can't I get that it's dicey, but I think you still have to do it. And and so I guess unfortunately I'm talking about just from a business standpoint of you've got to get there first. Now, I suppose well that's the thing, right? I mean, is it from a business standpoint you have to get there first or is it just wait till next week once the playoffs comes come around. No one will mention Kareem Hunt's name ever again. That it won't no one will care. And every one of those uh, pregame broadcasts, they all made their points about how serious they were about domestic violence. Absolutely. Yeah, no, but, you're, you're but, right then, about that. but then what did they always add? But, you know, the league is great and the players in the league are great. And Which we is, should all just And the league on. is not great. That's and, my argument. The well, league is not great. And the commissioner, the commissioner should finally be let go. He won't be. It, uh, sure. All, all of your points are right. I'm just getting to... The point where I get frustrated, so frustrated by these stories because I don't know what new to say about them. It's been made very clear that the league does not handle these things very well under Roger Goodell. I mean, it just okay, couldn't but, be more but let's obvious. let's start there. Why? Why don't they? Probably, Why can't they? Probably because when it comes to this, he's clueless. Yeah, <laughs> but it, then he shouldn't be now, doing this. It, There's but, no question but about that. that's then. not what they pay him for. They don't pay him to care about Kareem Hunt. They care about the bottom line, and under Making Roger money. Goodell, it has gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. The profits, but you that could the get NFL somebody. But you could get somebody who would care about that and could continue to make you money. But a the ton owners, of money. The, the owners, they, they don't care because Roger Goodell is making them money and he's making a lot of, the league is making money. So they don't. But that's foolish. It, but that, I, but I that's, know. But that's foolish but, on their part. I'm trying, I spend this entire show trying to help people. I spend this show trying to help the Vikings because you're doing something dumb. So don't do that. I spend this show saying that the national football, I get that they're making a ton of money, but that does not mean you've just repeated the same bleeping mistake all over again. Like you've handled it wrong again. And it's very simple. Outbid TMZ for the tape, and then I would hope you take appropriate action. Like you knew there would be a tape. You're the na- you are a ten billion dollar. They industry. also know everyone else will get over it in like thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. That's what they know. And I don't think that. But I could save I them for the majority of their fans. Don't give a damn. I think that the owners would care much more about handling the Ezekiel Elliott thing the way that. Goodell did, which seemed to be with a grudge for Jerry Jones, rather than his extreme caring about the yeah, Ezekiel right. Elliott situation, because the Agreed. the evidence was kind of shoddy on Ezekiel Elliott, and it was, a, it was a lot more questionable and less sort of hardcore there's a video type of thing, and still he, they, he ends up getting his suspension and it becomes this big long story which just seemed like a grudge because Jerry Jones wanted Roger Goodell out mm-hmm. but every other owner doesn't, so that's what they're kind of doing this for, and Guess what your NFL fan cares about? 
None of that. They care about, is Ezekiel Elliott going to be in my fantasy league? Should I draft mm-hmm. him? Should I not draft him? And we've, I, we've gotten to the point where I even feel like I would, I would prefer that the league doesn't pretend to have some sort of moral code going on. Because it's disingenuous. That, right. So if you just said, okay, whoops, the video leaked, and you're suspended four games because that's what our policy says, and that's the end of the story, that would have been fine with me. Because I think trying to police every guy, like these teams, these teams of the league, we, we want them to just like follow guys around or hunt for every tape or pay for every tape. Like, can you really do this? Is that really reasonable to ask them to do? I mean, yeah, well, they can sure. do it. They can Maybe, do it. They, they got they, FBI they could, agents. They could, but how much do I care if they former. do or not? Like, I think that most NFL fans, I would go 97%. You think it's that high? I think it's super high because they keep going and they keep watching and they keep buying. So well, I haven't I'm, seen I'm not any quit dip watching with these myself. Things. I just want I just want them to actually have a shred of, of an idea of what they're doing. The incompetence is what offends me. It's complete incompetence. And it's, it, they might not care, but it's incompetence. I think that if they cared, there would be more competence. But, you know, you look at these different situations from guys in college. Joe Mixon, there's a video. Yeah. Well, Ruben they, Foster got picked up last Tuesday. That, yeah, right. He got arrested on Saturday. That's right. They don't care. And they're never going to care. Until you make them care. Well, As I've said that before, the NFL, too. They're, they're not going to care. You don't and care. most of the fans don't care. That's it. That's that's who's driving it. Is that on Twitter.com? Well, then you're right. Then come out and say we people, don't care. We don't care about people. You can see on social media a bunch of people ranting and raving about how stupid they are and how much they hate this and how Kareem Hunt should be thrown into the ocean to die. But they'll still go to the game next week. So unless they start holding the league accountable, actually, this won't matter whether they investigate the the tape or not, and they know that. But do you not agree with me that the league could be run in a much smarter way and a much less incompetent-seeming way, and and to not do that to me makes no sense at all? To that end, to this end only. I'm talking from a business standpoint here, too. No, I'm... But I'm saying it does since it doesn't affect their bottom line from a business standpoint. It's fine to do what they did. It doesn't matter. Like it's it's totally fine. All it is is just another storyline. Because now when you watch a Chiefs game, what are you going to get? Oh, Spencer Ware, Sharkandrick West. They just signed this new guy to come in. He's going to be their running back now. Adversity, Judd, for the Chiefs. This is this is repet- a, it's, a, it's another storyline for them. The repetition of the same mistake over and over again is idiotic. I think, uh, Jeff. What's going on? Hey, I don't. I'm I'm just like on the fence and so torn about. That. I mean, it's a it's a horrible situation. I think you're being a little too hard on who knew what when. But I take it, who's scouring the papers to see if some some developer for Apple or Microsoft or Android has Peter slapped his wife? Are you, are you calling for their jobs and you're not going to buy their phones because and we're going to boycott Apple because they have this employee that, I mean, th- th- this problem is not limited to the National Football League or the National Basketball League or the Soccer League. It just... Uh, Thanks, Jeff. My well, point, be- I, my no. point being, is they're repeating the same thing. It's the same thing as Ray Rice, and they've done nothing to improve their system. I'm not saying by any means that pro sports leagues shouldn't care about their influence and that they shouldn't care what it says to ignore this. I'm just telling you why. I, yeah. I'm telling you why. And I'm talking to you. They from don't a, care from a business standpoint of of having this happen again within what three years and. 
I would say that if they actually saw any dip because of Ray Rice, all Ray Rice did was become another storyline. Does them. this kid get employed again? Because Ray Rice was done. Ray Rice was very easy to never sign again because his career was done. And so it didn't matter. There's um, another incident, possibly, that has been reported by TMZ. Now, this was not with a woman, but another issue with violence. Yep. And I think if he lied about that, too, to his team, and there was another incident... And he just went on national TV and said, that's not who I am, and I don't have an anger problem or anything. Um, that might hurt his chances. Teams hate more when you lie to them than they do if you hit women, which is weird. Mm -hmm. And it's not okay in any way, shape, or form. But again, the reality of the situation is that they feel much more confident if their player is honest with them. Uh, but... I also think that this would be a classic like Patriots thing to just like sign this guy. I think he does get and, a job, right? I mean, wouldn't it? Like, he's, he's young. Someone is going to look at this and be yeah. like, "Let's just wait till it blows over, and then we'll just bring him back in, and we'll deal with the media for like two days, and then it'll all be over with." And the cycle continues. Uh, now, I don't think that because this player had an issue that his specific problem should make people turn away from the league. But the cumulative handling of all this stuff, you would think that it would make people frustrated and not want to watch it. But since it hasn't, that's why they don't care. And I think the the overall influence, they care much more about like looking like they love America than looking like they care about beating women. No question probably about because in general, a lot of their fan base doesn't care. So they only worry about what their fan base cares about. TCL, Which is terrible. TCL Broadcast Studios. Let's take a break. Let's come back and wrap with Roy C. next. Mackie and Judd, collar in for Mackie. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd today at Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill, TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie, uh, back tomorrow on the program. All right, sir, I have a I have a hot Vikings take for you that has nothing to do with the offensive coordinator or the head coach. I've covered this guy. I actually don't mind him. He, he has certainly said some offensive things through the years, as you w well know, and uh, Chris Cluey filed a grievance or had a falling out with him about um, but just on a football matter, Mike Prefer, the Viking special teams coordinator, needs to be replaced. I can't do it. I can't go. It, it was Blair Walsh's fault. All right, Blair was a mental mess. I get that, right? Kai Forbath. Kai Forbath was actually fine. Some PAT problems. So let's replace him. Daniel Carlson. Complete mess. And now Dan Bailey. The day the Vikings, Matthew Collar, signed Daniel Bailey, he was at that point the second most accurate field goal kicker in NFL history. Since joining the Vikings, he has been one of the worst kickers in the National Football League. I can't do this. I can't keep blaming kickers. At some point in time, you've got to look at the coach, the position coach. Boy, I guess you're talking about something that we all struggle with is extreme randomness in this sport. And when it comes to kickers, I have no responses for you. I really don't. I mean, I watched Daniel Carlson kick every day in training camp, and I thought, man, he can kick it real far. Mm -hmm. Like, boom, just crushing it, right? And then they get rid of his punter, so they got this other holder who doesn't know when to go on the field, apparently. Do we know where he was? Did anyone ask that he question? He was in Pittsburgh, 
No, no, no. But like training camp yesterday. Oh, where, I don't know when he was late on the. field. I've never seen that before. Uh, head in the clouds. I've never I seen. Guess. I've never seen the holder be the last guy on the field. I no, okay. me either. I have never seen a holder just be like completely forgetful of what's going on in the situation because it should have been fourth down. So you got this punter who might not be good at holding. I don't know. I mean, right? Like I have no, no idea. Right. I'm just guessing here. When it comes to these kickers missing, or but it's or uh, too much of a trend now. You draft well, or you have Blair Walsh, who was very talented but also mental midget. Then you replace him with Kai Forbath, who was just pretty good and missed a few extra points, but like field goals, good. He had no problems. He had no problems with Zimmer. Any comments Zimmer made or any coaching from prefer he made 89% of his kicks over 2 years he's just just pretty good at kicking didn't have a great leg it wasn't always pretty it would sort of come out low and sort of flutter around but you know whatever get the job he done. made the one against the saints in the playoff that, game and i said that's pretty damn good that's what matters so then you bring in the rookie and you immediately get inside his head by pulling him off the field on a preseason game after he misses one like okay that's not a great idea and then he has to go to lambo and make huge clutch kicks and he misses them and even kickers at Lambeau can struggle sometimes because, you know, maybe the field is great or it's windy that day or whatever it might be. And then you bring in the guy who has the highest field goal percentage of all time, but he was just cut by his team and it only made 75% last year. So it wasn't even particularly good last year. That's the guy you signed. It's who he is, not who he was. And like who he was five, seven years ago doesn't matter to who he was just recently. And so I don't know if that's Mike Prefer or that's just overthinking it with the kicker and punter. Like, Ryan Quigley was a fine punter last year, and then you just get rid of him because of camp for a guy who, who wasn't on the team, and now he's got a hold, and it's like, I don't know. But how long can we blame the kickers, though? Because you've gone from Walsh, who had been around, who was around, had a great first year, and then completely fell apart. Okay, eventually he's gone. Then you go to Forbath, and your complaint there is, well, the, the PATs have been moved farther back, and he's not great at those or not consistent enough at those. And so you cut him for another rookie kicker from the SEC, which you say might not be a great idea, and he fails. And now you go to a veteran who's not great, but Dan, Daniel uh, uh, Bailey right now, Dan Bailey is making 72.9% of his field goal attempts. He's 16 of 22 here. That is the second worst among all kickers in this league with at least 15 attempts. Like at some point in time, I got to quit blaming the, these guys and say something's wrong here. Yeah, I mean, I it's guess. three or four I, at least. I just, I really don't know how to evaluate it. I mean, how do and I... And it's too big a deal I, just to say, oh, that's fine. They are not the first team by any means to have this kicker merry-go-round. I mean, even the Chargers, like look at the issues they have. They signed a guy and then they cut him and then they had a guy in the practice squad and like... There are a lot of teams chasing their well, tails. I'll say this. I'll say this. My theory is my theory about the Vikings kicker situation under Zimmer is you probably need a special teams coordinator who's a psychologist and a support system because you can tell Zim hates kickers. I think Zim hates quarterbacks and kickers. I think he really does. I think he sees them as necessary evils to try and win football games, but if they disappeared tomorrow, he'd be very happy. And so I think what they need is a special teams coach who can come in and and not be and sort of be the buffer and help the kid out, the kicker out. Because now it seems like you've got Zim who who gets upset and freaks out if a guy misses a kick or a PAT. And I don't know that Prefer is the guy to say it's okay. 
I think Prefer's also the guy to be like, yeah, you got to make those. And then, and there's got to be somebody who steps in and says, kid, it's okay. Would they be able to, are they, would they be allowed to bring somebody in as like a kicking consultant or something? I mean, just could, somebody that can work directly with the kickers to make sure that they don't, I don't see why become not. a scatterbrain. I don't see why not. But I think it's psychological. I think they I think they end up completely freaking the, these guys out because the head coach goes nuts and says stuff at halftime like, "Well, we're not we're going to go for it on fourth down now instead of kick field goals because I can't trust my kicker." Well, because if if Andy Reid can create a job for Brad Childress and bring him in and say, "You're going to be our spread game analyst." I bet you could bring a kicking You could probably in. bring somebody in. I would bring kickers. in Lo- Longwell our guy now. I would bring him in right now and say, Mike, Prefer, Zimmer, get away from Bailey. Longwell's going to work with him. Avoid him at all costs. And whatever you do, Zim, don't go to Michelle Tafoy at halftime and say, I'm not going to allow this this stupid kicker to decide this game. You need the guy. It can be important. Take a break. Come back. Wrap with Patrick after this. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Oh, considering becoming an offensive coordinator, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, uh, I think, uh, was he this frontal with the Norm before he got rid of him? I, I can't remember, but uh, there, were, there were hints of it. There were hints of his unhappiness, that's for sure. I, that one felt more sudden than this. This seems like a consistent, just, there's <laughs> problems, there's problems. Hey, we played good one week, so it was fine. Oh, no, there's problems again. Where with uh, Norv, it went from them lighting up, if I remember, the Houston Texans, and then out of the break, there was some sort of issue, and then it was just over. So hey, uh, that was odd. But uh, here's the deal. As I said, I mentioned this to Judd today on the uh, on the podcast that uh, uh, the problem here is T.M. Uh, Spielman saw it as a great coup to have stolen the Filippo from uh, Philadelphia, and I can't believe he is at all happy about these shots that the uh, coach is taking at him, and uh, he doesn't like this. Uh, Spielman doesn't like it when stuff from out of school is uh, or in school is is mentioned to the uh, public. That's what got Tyson trouble with this uh, team. So uh, I gotta think there's a little tension between Spielman and uh, Zimmer right now too. Well, and so I guess the question is, Patrick. Are you buying that they will figure this out? Because it's kind of hard to believe in that over uh, even a short stretch here. Well, uh, I you know I think a lot of it depends upon where you are in the scoreboard too, don't you? I mean, I, I think they uh, they they don't play from behind with a damn here until they get in. I I rather than see him worry about the run, I'd like to come out and, and see him play no huddle. Some they've had yeah. some success against that. I don't think he could do it all game, but uh, why not? You know, you're coming into Seattle. They're prepared for what you do. Why don't you come out and no huddle them right off the bat and uh, try to try to get them off off balance because. Those two receivers, uh, Thielman and Diggs, Thielman and Diggs, when you're running those huddles, seem to uh, have an easier time getting open than when they, uh, get, you know, when they go up there. And Rudolph's kind of gotten involved, and uh, I just come out and just know how to and then boom, 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 and see what happens. I, I think that's that should be a more of a focus than 
you know, slowing down the offense and running more often. Although, uh, Matthew, as I was saying yesterday, when you got 10 guys standing up for uh, the entire second half, that does seem to be an opportunity to run the ball. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're inviting you to, aren't they? I don't get it. Uh, no, I, you're exactly right. It's a, it's a great observation from what they were doing yesterday is they were basically daring them. They were basically saying, win this game by running over us with your mediocre offensive line anchored by one Tom Compton who should not be playing. And... And then force us to stop your run. Otherwise, we're going to sit back here. We're going to confuse Kirk Cousins. We're going to make him beat us by himself and take away his weapons at the same time as they're in the receivers and double them. And the the Vikings weren't able to react to that. And and, uh, from Zimmer's perspective, you've got to be going, look what they're doing. Run the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that. That is, but it is. uh... It is uh, kind of fun to see the uh, the little uh, infighting that's taken here. Now, uh, did anyone get any quotes from DeFilippo? I didn't see any after the game. He doesn't talk uh, till Thursday, right, Matthew? So that's the only thing he doesn't talk after games either. No, uh, no, this week he's not talking till Friday. Oh. Yeah. oh, oh, that's right. It's a Monday night game too. That's, that's far that's too long. We need more controversy. That's the other thing about Seattle. You know, you're going out to Seattle. You're going to you get beat on a Monday night, and you got to come back home and play off, uh, you know, a, a short week. And uh, that, I mean, you, you really get the impression that uh, if this season can accomplish, if anything can be accomplished this season, I think they can still get in the playoffs, win or lose money. But if you hope to accomplish anything significant this season, you got to win at Seattle. Absolutely. Thank you, Patrick. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, gentlemen. All right, goodbye. Patrick Royce, in in fact, uh, we taped another episode, episode two of our podcast today, Unchained with Royce and Judd, in which uh, Patrick had a ton of thoughts from the weekend, all of them absolutely fantastic, including ripping ripping a program, but you're going to have to listen to to it because it's an epic rant and talking about how I spent $42 on food at U.S. Bank Stadium on Friday night at a basketball game at which I damn near fell asleep. We're done here. Thank you to Collar Mackie back tomorrow. Manny Hill and Jonathan doing a great job. As always, TCL Broadcast Studios. See ya.